We are born free. And we will die free. The time in between, though, that's complicated. In that time, governments, institutions, and our egos will limit our ability to find true freedom in this life. These are real stories of real people overcoming the odds, persevering in justice, and unlocking their potential. Welcome to Finding Freedom. Here's your host, John Oderman. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Freedom right here on the Lions of Liberty Network. And we're closing in, closing in on the end of 2022. Hard to believe this year has flown by. A lot of changes this year, a lot of changes at Lions of Liberty, a lot of changes in the world. Um, the more things change, the, the more they stay the same. And you can always find this show, Finding Freedom, every single Monday. You can always find Mean Age Daydream, Brian McWilliams' show, every single Wednesday. And you can always find something from Lions of Liberty on Friday. It might be Meme Wars. It might be a, uh, a show with... Uh, Robbie the Fire Bernstein and and uh, Brian McWilliams. It might be just a, a random interview that we decide to throw up. It might be a Libertarians in Liberty Rooms drinking liquor episode. It could be anything. But for the most part, you're always going to get three shows from Lions of Liberty here on this feed. And I always like to mention there's the Lions of Liberty Network feed. I love that you're listening there. There's also the Finding Freedom solo feed um, where you get just my show, um, I think that feed is perfect for um, episodes that maybe you just want to zero in on just you know my type of content, which is you know based on entrepreneurship, um, self improvement, faith, and uh, and all that good stuff. So subscribe to both. Subscribe to one or the other. Um, I really don't care as long as you just subscribe and leave a five star rating. And a nice little review. I appreciate that. I'm going to get into the show in a minute. Going to introduce my guest in just a minute. I just want to talk about for a second just how amazing podcasting is in connecting people. If I just think back to my last two episodes, this one and the one previous with uh, with Vin Armani with with Cyprian, my last two guests, the distance, how far away they are physically, is uh, is remarkable. Um, Cyprian in, in Saipan, and my guest today in Sri Lanka. And it's amazing. We're able to connect. We're able to talk. These time zone differences, we're able to work it out. It's great that I have a flexible schedule with uh, you know with my day job. I'm able to do some things differently. Um, but it's it's just remarkable. I mean, sometimes like, how, how is this possible? How am I talking to these people? And I'm able to bring their incredible minds to you. And ask them questions, and I can learn, and uh, and you can learn as well. So, that's incredible stuff. Just I don't know. I just wanted to put that out there. Hope you enjoy today's show. Let's get to it. All right, welcome to another episode of Finding Freedom. I am joined here today by Danana Fernando. He is the CEO of a Sri Lanka based of the Sri Lanka based Advocata. It's a free market think tank, and he's a longtime critic of big government and an expert on Sri Lanka's ongoing economic crisis. He just published an op-ed column in Newsweek, uh, which I will link to on the show notes page. It's explaining how socialist policies have failed Sri Lanka and why Americans should be wary of their increasing popularity in the United States. Danana, welcome to Finding Freedom. Thank you, John. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. And obviously, with, with you being in Sri Lanka and myself in the U.S., obviously a big, uh, big time difference. So thanks for for being gracious with the uh, with the scheduling, and we were able to get that worked out. So happy about that. Um, I think I think a good place to start. Obviously, the majority of my audience, I would assume, probably does not know a whole lot about Sri Lanka. I myself do not know a whole lot about Sri Lanka. So so maybe kind of to set up the interview, uh, first, maybe if you could talk about yourself and your own experiences, sort of just uh, you know growing up in Sri Lanka. You don't have to go in depth, but just keep, give people an idea of maybe the differences between U.S. and, and Sri Lanka. Thanks, John. So uh, Sri Lanka is uh, in the Indian Ocean, if you, I think, 
many people know where India is. So it's slightly, if in, we, we are called ourselves the Pearl of Indian Ocean. So if you look at the map of India, the edge is like a necklace and we are like a small island, like the Pearl. So that's why we are called the Pearl of Indian Ocean. Uh, we are a small country, 65,000 square kilometers, 20 million population. Uh, that's the background. Uh, and average GDP was uh, earlier, it was about $3,600 per capita GDP. And now with the economic crisis, it has dropped to uh, 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 to about 3000 US dollars. And I'm uh, working for a uh, for Advocata Institute, which is a public policy think tank, which I'm a founding member. And we incorporated Advocata in 2016 because in my parts of the world, the ideas like freedom and um, and allowing freedom to work, allowing markets to work, was uh, not uh, not a common uh, concept uh, when we initiated it. But we have made some progress, but it's quite sad. Uh, and my heart melts to see the economic crisis that we are going through. Our economy is contracting, uh, according to the IMF prediction, about uh, 8 to 9% uh, in the coming years. So that's a little bit of uh, the background. I haven't studied uh, anywhere else. I'm completely a local boy. Uh, I, I pretty mm -hmm. much in my entire life, I have been in Sri Lanka. I have I, I studied bioscience and biochemistry. I pretty much self-studied economics and I was very interested about these market-based ideas and liberty and freedom. So that's how I initiated uh, with few of other, other like-minded people at Vukar Institute in 2016. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. When your work came came uh, came to my notice, um, and it, it was, it's interesting how things happen with timing. Um, actually, in the U.S., I've actually um, known a few people from Sri Lanka, and um, just f fantastic, fantastic people. My uh, my daughter's uh, preschool um, administrator at our local church is uh, you know born born and raised in Sri Lanka. Just a fa fantastic family. And then just recently, one of my colleagues, uh, a new colleague uh, who I just met where, where I work in my uh, my corporate job, he's he's from Sri Lanka, just a really interesting guy, um, and fascinated in that he he tells me that he grew up with a pet elephant. I don't know how common that is in Sri Lanka. I hear that's something that you really can't do anymore. I'm not sure how, how old he is, but uh, how, how timing works out. I just heard that story, and then I saw your email. I'm like... Wow, um, let's. I, I got to have this guy on to to learn more about Sri Lanka. <laughs> yeah, it, it it may be true uh, because uh, it, mm. at at uh, currently I think with the regulation it's not allowed. But uh, uh, if you come to Sri Lanka, we have uh, in August there's called uh, the the Asala Perahara, which is uh, which is in Kandy, which is central parts where you see elephants. Mm. Uh, uh, using as this element uh, to to show respect uh, to the temple of tooth relic which is one of the secret mm -hmm. places uh, or, or buddhism connected secret places in sri lanka so many years ago i think people had an option to have you know mm -hmm. elephants uh, and still uh, it is there, there's a licensing system uh, where you can have an elephant as a as a pet but it's a very expensive exercise and also um, it is it is not very common but there are people who who does it? So what your friend may have said, uh, it, that there may be that definitely there'll be truth uh, in it yeah. because that option was available. Yeah, well, definitely a very very unique uh, unique thing to be able to share with people. Um, so let's let's talk about let's talk about you because you know I think you know growing up in the U.S. you know people do and maybe not so much today as you know 10, 20 years ago. But you know, being able to be educated and learning about free market ideas um, used to be at least pretty common in the U.S. As, so, as socialism creeps in more over here into our public schools, maybe that's becoming um, not as common. Uh, I'm curious about your your own journey in Sri Lanka. So the education system there, the education that you received, um, were was were free market ideas taught? Were socialist ideas taught? How how did that work? Yeah, in Sri Lanka, even in in the constitution, our country's name uh, go, our country's name goes as Democratic Socialist Republic of Sri Lanka. So the socialist part is in the constitution mm. itself, and pretty much the ideas are more skewed towards uh, socialism, I would say, because uh, we have a, a history of more than two thousand five hundred years. 
but uh, we got the independence from 1948 from British. But before that, uh, we uh, have been a, a colony of uh, Portuguese. Uh, that's probably my name comes Fernando. And then we mm. were uh, also a, a colony of uh, Dutch. And then it was from uh, with British. So after 1948, now it's more than 70 years, uh, pretty much people were depending on government uh, because there was a massive government sector uh, and people expected everything to be done by the government from providing from, we call it from birth to death and even after death. Everything has to be taken care of the government. For an example, when you, when you were born, you were born in a public hospital which the entire uh, uh, entire uh, healthcare system is mainly managed by public hospitals. Some, some time ago, only the private hospitals were allowed. And then when you are schooling, your primary education, your secondary education, your universities, it's all uh, mainly public. And even private universities, now there are a few private universities, but still like private medical colleges, some other private sector universities are not allowed. And then uh, you also have, uh, uh, that's, uh, that's the education. And even uh, thereafter, once you get graduated, again, you join the government civil servant or the government jobs. And then again, you are depending on the government. And when you retire, of course, you get a pension. Uh, and that is also uh, with the government. So altogether, uh, from beginning to the end, uh, you are with the government. And at the same time, uh, even after you uh, after you passes away, your pension, uh, your family members can get the also they will be entitled for the pension. Uh, so, so it's from from beginning to the end, it's mainly the government, and we have a massive government sector. According to the South Asian numbers, for every fourteen to sixteen people, we have one government employee. Uh, so that's the mm. of uh, our government expansion. So, uh, so I myself come from the same background. I have studied in a semi-government school and I studied in a public university, uh, bioscience and biochemistry. But my difference was uh, I didn't enter the government sector. I, I worked for the private sector and then I initiated this think tank with a few others. Was that, was that just a, so was that just a decision you made? Was there something, some experience you had that kind of kind of opened your eyes to, to the free yeah, market or how did that absolutely, work? Absolutely. So I was very lucky to associate with few other people uh, who actually had these sort of ideas, uh, uh, especially uh, with someone who have been overseas, who have been uh, back in Sri Lanka. So they actually shared these ideas when I was a schoolboy. So I was very interested. Okay, how does it work? And then I got interested, I engaged, and there were opportunities to engage with like-minded people. And that's how this entire thing started. And then I got to know Professor Razin Sali, who is, uh, who is a lecturer or a professor at a National University of Singapore. And he's half Sri Lankan. Uh, and he has, uh, he has been a very well-recognized, well-known uh, trade uh, specialist. So he, when I associated with him, he connected with so many people. And then I got a got to know about this idea and I explored more and the more I explored I was so uh, so interested and fascinated with this with this view and the world view and when I compared mm -hmm. with Sri Lanka I found it okay this is definitely a better way than the government sector but I, I must admit my parents both are government servants so they are pretty much coming from the same background uh, but I, I think I am slightly taking a Different, different route. Uh, so that's how I, I joined the Liberty Freedom Movement, and I'm I'm very honored and I'm very happy that that it happened in that in that way. Yeah, that, that's pretty amazing. Growing up in a socialist country, and then yeah, still being able to you know find exposure to the ideas of, of freedom and liberty, and then taking the initiative to uh, really start this this think tank, right? Um, Pretty pretty amazing stuff. So, well, look, I'm curious. You, you said you had some some friends and were exposed to to these ideas. Were there specific, uh, you know, books or lectures or, or videos or anything that comes to mind that that really um, it really helped you uh, along that journey? Absolutely. So, I was a big fan of Marginal Revolution University. Uh, so, I've been going through their all courses. 
that's one way that i uh, that i okay. learned uh, economics and also i was a i was a great uh, admirer of a basic economics book by uh, thomas sowell uh, mm-hmm. that was one book and i was associated with tom palmer uh, and all pretty much all his books about liberty uh, was quite fascinating i was lucky to listen to him uh, his lectures his world view uh so that's those are little things which come top of mind uh which which really uh shaped my thinking but of course people like professor rasin sali in sri lanka there's a there's a good uh column uh in every monday from dr w a vijayvadana so he pretty much rather than pushing the ideology he basically brings the practical scenario of what's happening in the economy so when i went i mean i he he writes this for more than 10 years So when I was reading it, I pretty much I was able to connect it with uh, with Milton Friedman, with Hayek, and everyone. Okay, this is this is how the economy works. So I see it more as mm-hmm. a science rather than, of course, there's there there's an ideology behind it. But for for me, it's like it's like quantum physics or it's like uh, gravitational forces. There's a way that things work, and whether we like it or not, that's how it works. And we have to allow that to work, allow to markets to work. and I love the ecosystem to move forward and that's how i see it and also i'm coming from a science background so i pretty much connect with this uh, physics and chemistry and biochemistry so so that's that's how i see it and uh, more specifically those books those lectures those videos those website and associating with uh, uh, atlas network uh, they have been a kind supporter of us uh, when we initiated advocate institute so all that uh, together which was also with self studying and meeting people and with atlas has a broader network so when you go uh, for their conferences you meet like people from 100 countries doing kind of similar stuff and co- issues are common mm-hmm. and the failures are same and then you get to realize oh my goodness this is the same thing when you when you follow the wrong prescription there is no way it's it's the same results that that you see and i have seen it like in 40 50 countries and when you also prosper you again see the good example so that's mm-hmm. that was my joke. yeah i i think i think people and especially in the united states you know we we've been so spoiled by you know by really being in a position where a lot of these socialist policies that have really caused a lot of havoc and despair in smaller countries the us has been able to um you know not be exposed to them because of our position in the world and our position with the dollar is the world's reserve currency and essentially the dollar being backed by this gigantic military um it has really allowed for you know all of this uh, malinvestment um and uh, just huge government growth that we've experienced over the past few decades in the in the United States um but that's probably a topic for another podcast i, I want to dig into industry lanka here since you you are an expert uh, and you live there of course So maybe a good place to start um kind of just talking about pre-covid Sri Lanka if you can just kind of paint like an economic picture of of how things were before the the covid pandemic hit John in Sri Lanka in my view it was always bad but it took it accelerated after after covid and after uh, the the debt default uh because uh look uh the best example is compare with singapore countries like singapore i singapore i know singapore is like mm-hmm. very small but can you believe singapore has taken sri lanka as a model for development and they pretty much of course there are a lot of flaws in the singaporean system but they adhered with global trade and markets at the initial stages and as mm-hmm. a result now sri lanka had a very strong kind of private sector in 1970s and we expropriated the private sector properties it's basically property rights which is one of the main concepts has been completely kept aside so as a result all these oil companies and all these private companies just left to singapore and singapore was just ready lee kuan yew was just ready embracing them providing the entire uh, framework and as a result singapore developed and sri lanka completely went on the other side so since 1948 uh, since independence we were doing okay but we really didn't do any 
proper market reforms. If, if, if I can just ju- jump in there for a minute, because I'm curious, just to dig in on that point, the difference between Sri Lanka and Singapore, the different, obviously, um, economic policies allowing for more, a little more growth or a lot more growth in, uh, in Singapore. Generally, what, what do the people of Sri Lanka think about that? Um, you know, do, do they, what, what do they blame, blame that on when they look at a country like, like Singapore? Do, do, I mean, do they point to, you know, the government, you know, are, are there a lot of, is there a large segment of the population in Sri Lanka that's, that's angry at the, at the government and, and the, and it's, it's overreach or what, what's the, yeah. what do you think so about the thing that? Is, yeah, good question, John. So the thing is, while we see Singapore was progressing, people, since we have a large government sector workforce, which has been building over and over again, mm-hmm. this government sector workforce has been a main vote block for main political parties. So none of them really had the courage to admit that expanding the government is the problem. So as a result, while while the markets not operating, the markets is the problem, people try to think by just increasing the, they think by having an expanding government, you can increase the efficiency of people. So they always blame saying, okay, the government workers are not efficient, they are not honest, they are corrupt, and if you appoint Honest people, you can be productive, you can be prosperous without realizing the more you expand the government, it's obvious you get more corruption. The more you expand the government, it's obvious that that your productivity and efficiency and effectiveness and impact would be low. Without realizing that, I always say, no, 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 let's bring some superpower superman and let's Mm -hmm. appoint correct people. And that has been the debate for a long time without realizing, look, there's uh, institutions that has to be in place and there has to be an incentive for people to work and earn a better living. So completely neglecting that. And unfortunately, the political parties are fooling the wrong ideology because that's definitely helpful for their political campaigning. So every government, every leader who comes to power, they don't even tap or talk about the government sector. They always say, don't worry, we will make sure that the government sector is secured. And in fact, they provide more and more jobs, even for unqualified people. So it goes from like the, 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 the lowest ever, lo- lowest uh, rank to the most senior rank. Uh, so that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's how people see it. But even before COVID, uh, so in 1970, we had a very strict uh, closed economy from 1970 to 1977. So during that time, there were price controls. Sorry, I wasn't born. This is We did a documentary on, on this, so we spoke to a lot of people who lived during that time. So people say they have been in long queues. If you are getting married, can you believe you have to go and take a permit to with a confirmation of the number of guests that you are inviting and for the wedding suit because there's massive import controls to, to, to save Forex. So if you want to... To, 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 to tailor a jacket and a suit, you have to go with your wedding invitation to, to tailor a jacket uh, in Sri Lanka during that time. So we have gone through that difficult period in 1972. Our, all our main indicators dropped. There were malnutrition have been seen in the country. And in 1977, the economy was slightly open because, of course, you know, when, when people take such strict measures, you realize that it can't go. It can go for like four or five years with the most difficult time. And then it automatically mm-hmm. explodes. It's not rocket science. And then in 1977, when the economy was slightly liberalized, but it was a very, you know, half-hearted attempt. Uh, it was only mainly the imports and exports were liberalized. There were labor reforms that hasn't been done. Uh, there were many other sectors which kept as it is. So as a result... The, we couldn't really reap the maximum benefit uh, of the liberalization process. And since then, also, we had a long war uh, of 30 years uh, long war. So as a result, uh, we had a, a very difficult time uh, with, with, with that. So I, 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 I generally, my reading is, even if you forget uh, all those 1970s, in the recent history, we had a lot of unfortunate, uh, events as sorry, I, I call it misfortunate and mismanagement both together. As a result, mm-hmm. uh, for an example, uh, uh, for an example, uh, 
in uh, in 2015 there was a massive uh, bond scam uh, that happened in the central bank and in 2016 17 there was a drought in 2018 uh, there was a constitutional coup in 2019 there was uh, there was this easter bombing uh, if you if you recall in 2020 to the can we back back up to the const- to the constitutional coup so so what what sure. exactly happened with with the constitutional coup yeah so there were two prime ministers claim the prime ministerial post at the same time uh that's what happened so basically how does that uh, happen how, how does that happen yeah so it, when when uh, there was a new government came into power in 2015 so before that uh the in, according to the constitution we have a executive presidency system so the president has pretty much all sorts of powers we call it uh, the president has powers even to convert a man to a woman uh he can do anything pretty much uh any anything uh, with the constitutional powers so but in 2015 they brought some reforms where some of these executive powers were delegated to the prime minister but what happened was after uh, so uh, at the in the initial coalition the prime minister and president were in the same page or they they were in a coalition but in the middle of it there were cracks appeared so as a result hmm. the former president was appointed as the prime minister by the president elected and the the then president then claimed okay he doesn't have powers to appoint a new prime minister because the prime minister can only be appointed through the parliament and then they went for a voting uh, and a no confidence motion in parliament so there was this going back and forth and finally the president who was appointed by the uh, so the, the prime minister who was appointed by the president again resigned and it was resolved but it took about 2 3 months to settle everything so as a result the entire our credit rating Uh, downgraded uh, and the economy okay. was pretty much in a standstill so that's what happened and that again shows and it it went to the supreme court and there was a process uh, uh, but supreme court actually uh, is one institute that that was uh, quite upheld uh, accountability and justice at that time but there are so many loopholes in our system uh, so that was the mainly the the operation of sri lanka before that Uh, so anyway there's this theory call uh, v- very briefly of uh, the sumo wrestler versus like a normal wrestler so sri lanka was always vulnerable like a sumo wrestler if you look at the outer appearance you look it's like big and strong but in reality mm-hmm. sumo wrestlers are not strong it's like the normal flexible wrestlers are the stronger ones even if you look at their uh, their uh, life expectation sumo wrestlers life expectation is like generally few years lower than the normal wrestler so sri lanka also had the same problem we were always vulnerable but there were multiple triggers in that few years so as a result everything went wrong everything was a mess uh, it was a very difficult time and it's still a difficult time we are running on a full quota of 20 liters for for a vehicle every week and there are power cuts as i mentioned i mean i'm not in my home because my home experience is a power cut at this particular time frame and there were power cuts mm. went for about 6 8 hours earlier because of good rains uh, we are our power composition is mainly from hydro and uh, fuel and and coal so as a result because of good rains now the power cuts have come down to for about 2 hours 3 hours but again with the weather patterns it can expand so that's very briefly be, be, what because because there. of good rain they're they're able to produce more with with the hydro that's, that's essential yeah. absolutely okay absolutely but when with the dry season again it it becomes difficult because we don't have dollars to import fuel and essentials i mean our country has having very strict import controls vehicles imports have been curtailed for i don't i think for about more than 2 3 years about 2 years and all the uh imported uh, there are medicine shortages because you really don't have money to import it was pretty bad earlier there were gas mm-hmm. shortages gas is like the lp gas is one of the main energy sources using for cooking so basically people who lived in apartments really didn't have an option because uh they ran out of gas and all the restaurants industry they were in big trouble because they didn't have gas to run their restaurants 
including the five star hotels so it was it was that mm. bad uh, so that is why i always warn the us people look if you have a big government if you don't have the correct institutions and if you allow the government sector to expand you are definitely in the in the wrong track and it it's just a matter of time uh you may experience a short uh short um uh, how shall i say short um uh, entertainment but yeah the the yeah the results is devastating yeah and i think i think in the us since we've been insulated for the reasons i mentioned before um a lot of people think well you know what happens in these other countries can can never happen here um, I, I mean, just in the U.S., though, just if we, if we look back the past two years, so year over year inflation. If we go back to like last October, I think we're we're eight um, percent, almost eight percent. Then a, a, the year prior to that, it's another seven or eight percent. So we're looking at two years, fifteen percent inflation in Sri Lanka, and I think this number is correct. I think I pulled it from the the Newsweek article that you wrote. Um, year over year inflation, I think from October. Was sixty six percent? How do people deal with that? I mean, that is obviously wages are going up that quickly. M- yeah. Maybe the government wages are. I, I don't know. But so, w- w- what has that done to, to people in Sri Lanka? Yeah, John, there was this uh, there was this uh, theory of modern monetary theory has been adhered by our central yeah. bank. So, so they. They said, no, no, you can print money. There's no relationship between money printing or like quantitative expansion with inflation. And they also asked, like they said, okay, this number of money printed when they were printing and look at next month inflation. No inflation. We said, yes, absolutely. Of course, when you expanded the money in this month, it's not going to, you know, your inflation won't go up in the next day. It will take time to credit cycles to activate and it will... Completely. And, and it's not like U.S. Uh, you know, you have a, at least a reserve currency. I would say in U.S. you can, you should not do it. You shouldn't do it, but at least you have some some margin that you can do it. But in my country, when we use our own currency, which is not pegged to the dollar, when you increase, uh, when you increase the money supply, you are, you are getting a double whammy. Because one side, your inflation is going up. On the other side, your... Uh, your forex uh, uh, reserves or like your your uh, imports are increasing automatically because when you increase more money supply people those money will go behind of course imports so you're you're drying your forex and you are increasing and you have to then uh, you know depreciate the currency and then inflation has a it's like a vicious cycle so now I think you are seeing a slightly decent number. 70%, I know 60, 70% is a bad number. But it, at one point, it was almost about 100%. And you know, these are official numbers. The actual numbers are much higher than that. Uh, and according to Professor Steve Hank, it was at one point hundred and seventeen percent So basically, pretty much everyone's wealth has been deteriorated, including the government workers. So that's what I'm saying. By this government expansion... The biggest harm has been done to the government people, unfortunately. Because look at what has happened to their pensions. Now we are, their earlier pensions is worth of like one third of it. Now, even if they retire after working 20, 30 years, when they hit 55, 60 years, when they, you know, they are pretty much trapped. They are like in jail mm-hmm. because now they are, they are all the retirement numbers. I mean, it's as a value, it remains the same, but the actual value, the, the purchasing power has come down by, by two thirds. So you can't really afford the medicines. Your, your pension basically means nothing. So your entire work uh, contribution, which you did for 25 to 30 years, has absolutely gone, uh, you know, it has become worthless. And you have pretty much wasted your entire career by having this number of inflation. Uh, and not many people earn a dollar salary. I mean, those who are earning a dollar salary are who are working abroad, who are sending remittances. So that's why I said it's a, it's unfair for everybody, including the government servants itself. Actually, the government servant should come to street and say, look, you should stop recruiting people to the government sector and you should shrink the government sector because it's very unfair 
for the capable people who are in the government and the and and to run even the necessary uh, necessary uh, operations so it's a difficult time i mean the the poverty rates are pretty much more than 40% and uh, 40%. it is a tough time at home. uh yeah and there's malnutrition and there's underweightage uh, for kids has been reported pretty much what i see i mean you won't see homeless people like in us let me be very clear but of course people really? may going to bed with uh, without having one or two meals even in my home let me give you an example so i am an executive level uh, employee even a think tank so in my home earlier we cooked three curries we made a collective decision to bring it to early it was four we brought it to two for two reasons one is for inflation because my i was mainly hit by the food inflation because earlier if i spent like in my currency about 30000 rupees now it has gone to about sorry it, it was early it was about 20000 rupees now it's for 45 to 50000 rupees and also because of the the lp gas issue because you are we are cooking four curries mm. means you have to use lp gas for four curries let's say we said okay let's bring it down for two and maybe go for a salad or something like that because otherwise you really can't afford uh, gas i mean gas prices went up by three times 300% and even i'm okay to have 300% gas increase gas prices if you can find gas for get a gas cylinder you have to be in a queue you have to be in like for weeks in a in a in a line if you only get if you're lucky only you will get it uh, so in my case also we, i i my family agreed to cut down uh, two curries i mean yeah. of course i think yeah, we will be in the nutritional levels we should be fine but if it's difficult for for some i'm a middle class person i'm not you know i'm not I, i'm i'm not a billionaire so if it's difficult for someone like me who is uh, who is a middle class person you can understand how it for a poor person yeah where where, where does sri lanka import their their lp gas from the mostly do you, do you know is it is it us is it it was also affected with the uh, it was not from us i think it's mainly from uh, india uh, don't hold me on to this if i remember right it's it's india because i think india supported us but of course it's uh, yeah. the, well, it's the, all, the, I, the ukraine I, war I, also affected because the gas prices went up yeah. because of russia ukraine war yeah yeah it's it's really from the entire market and in, in yeah. yeah turn the whole market into a uh, in the chaos with the uh the sang- the US sanctions on uh on Russia yeah. on, on Russia um which and i think we crazy but i don't see it not- i don't see any in sight it's it's kind of it's 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 just it's it's a very very bad thing for the world um what's what's happening yeah. um the whole the whole situation in uh in Ukraine and Russia and, and the interventions from the EU and the US are, are not helping anything at all um so one thing I did want to, I did definitely want to talk to you about. So you talked about the, this large um, government sector in Sri Lanka, um, but the private sector and entrepreneurship does not make up much of you know what people do. I, I think uh, one point only one point five percent of uh, Sri Lankans are entrepreneurs, uh, and I'm, I'm curious. Do you think that that number? Um, do you see signs of it? Maybe. Increasing in the future with what's happening now, are people starting to see through this? Or are they starting to see, you know, this this big government for what it is causing problems? John, the problem is why the entrepreneur numbers are low. Now, Sri Lankans don't understand economy is nothing but solving problems. For an example, the microphone that you use uh, is solving a problem. So you mm-hmm. have to, someone has to produce. which solves your problem so for in the sri lankan context we don't solve anyone's problems we are just expanding the government uh, and unfortunately the entrepreneurs are not allowed to solve problems entrepreneurs are not anyone like superior they are just trying to solve someone's problem and make it a win win so the government is in every sector if you tell any industry there will be a government uh, government in, in intervention or government organization who runs it for an example energy pretty much government and also a monopoly uh, uh, oil distribution government there's 17% for a, one private company but it's pretty much a duopoly in hotel industry in education in healthcare in uh, in retail 
everywhere it's government so when the government is becoming bigger and bigger basically are shrinking the space for entrepreneurs because they don't really allow a private person to operate because if you allow the private person to operate you have a massive regulation you basically cut him off you really can't enter the market so it's obvious that the entrepreneur numbers are coming down because how can you enter the market in the first place so government is in airline industry catering everything pretty much everything everywhere that's catering? that's the, the, the government's doing, yeah, doing they're, they're, food catering they are they are in the in the, in the in the aviation industry the 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 catering yeah. they have a catering unit uh there wow. but of course they are in the hotel industry can you believe a hotel being maintained by the government uh, a hotel like you know <laughs> you know yeah. why, why and they are in the cashew well, business you know, the city well, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Just to speak on hotels for a minute, because a hotel, I mean, that's like the ultimate customer service experience. You know, the hotel is trying to, to cater to the guests to make them comfortable, you know, the most comfortable rooms to, to you know, bring room service. And government is the opposite of that. It's Absolutely. Yeah, that's Absolutely. remarkable. So that's, 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 that's the problem. And they are also loss making. And even, can you believe, the monopolies are loss-making, the government monopolies. Of course, there are pricing issues and all that, but mm-hmm. it is unbelievable. So that's why I'm very concerned when when there's big government in anywhere in the world. I have, we have we, Sri Lankan people, it's not me. The entire Sri Lankan people have suffered from this, uh, from this big government. So... So uh, it is expanding, and of course, when you when you have that sort of a very influential big government, it's very difficult to shrink it because from there onwards, everyone want to strengthen it further. Because you know, people when they have a you know when they without working, without hard working, when they are just earning money, very unlikely they will compromise it. They, they really don't want mm-hmm. to work hard. They want the same income. So it is a tough decision. It's very difficult to uh, change it. So that's why I say don't move there first. Because if you move to that extreme corner, it's very difficult to, it's very difficult to come back. And it's very painful. And it brings political instability and all sorts of things. So if you are having a small government, please don't consider expanding it. Because uh, it, it causes so many problems. And even in Sri Lanka... Our biggest expenditure is on military. But our people don't understand. Biggest budget item doesn't mean your your national security strength. Now, for an example, I get 20, we get to only, I don't use a personal vehicle, but mainly those who are using a personal vehicle get only 20 liters of petrol. So even imagine if there's a foreign threat coming in, you really don't have fuel to pump your defense vehicles. So what are, what are we talking as like the national security? Because by mm-hmm. expanding the size of the government, basically you have you have diluted the national security. Because by just pumping num- printing money and pumping it to the budget doesn't strengthen your national security. It in fact dilutes it. That is what uh, people need to realize. But also I, I must also say now the inflation in while we having our all these issues. When countries like yours make bad decisions, it's like a triple whammy on us. Because when the U.S. inflation goes mm. up, my goodness, we are completely we are crushing. Because then uh, our exports are dropping and it's becoming very difficult. Our exchange rate is depreciating. So it becomes a very difficult time. So as, as, as superpowers, you guys have a bigger responsibility because your decisions are affecting the entire world. Uh, so... Uh, always, I think the policymakers in U.S. and and developed countries should keep in mind the impact that they bring to poor people in many other nations uh, when they make bad policy decisions. So, what what's the path forward? You think in Sri Lanka? I mean, do you think there is? And obviously, you're working for a think tank, so you're. I'm sure. I, mean, I think you almost have to be optimistic when, when you when you're working in in this in this field. Um, but w- what do you see in the future? What do you see in the next five, ten years for uh, for Sri Lanka? Yeah, John, I'm I'm optimistic because, as you know, as Milton Friedman says, uh, when there's crisis, there's opportunity for people to change. Mm-hmm. I think that's what the role that we have been doing as Advocata 
because this crisis is uh, people have been, I think, reflecting because they know we can't move like this uh, because we are always in the already in the wrong track. So we can't really move like this. So there are some reforms taking place. At least there's a discussion, more openness on reforms, uh, openness by the people for reforms. But the way forward is very bumpy. I mean, when you have a sovereign default, at least it takes about 10 years to recover because you have always tarnished your image and uh, economy is shrinking at 9%. It's still shrinking. So again, it shrinks and people are leaving uh, to other countries like yours. Uh, so mm -hmm. then your capable people to run it, uh, we really don't have. So as a result, and capital is uh, leaving the country because no one really wants to come and do business in these sort of conditions. So the recovery process is very slow. But the good thing is, the way forward is we have to go for these hard reforms. We have to allow the private sector to, to, to take over the, I mean, to run the uh, economy. But it doesn't mean our private sector is perfect. We have to allow the markets to work. We have to be market-oriented rather than business-oriented. When the markets are working, it will, because it's a matter of resources, maximizing, optimally using our resources. So the, when the markets mm -hmm. allow to work, when the government slowly becoming strong but limited, limited strong government, and when you allow the private sector to work, that's the that's the way forward. Uh, so so please, uh, uh, that's 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 how it has been. Sorry, I'm experiencing you, another you, power cut. Did you just lose I, power? Is absolutely. It? So I'm on my hotspot, so my internet wow. connection is better. But uh, sorry about the power situation. Okay, it no, came back uh, again. <laughs> okay. Well, that's. I mean, that's. That, that's what you're you're living through over there. So yeah, to be able to see that in in, in real time, um, and you know the, the U.S. Is, is is on that path. I mean, I don't think a lot of people here realize how quickly you know things things could happen. Things could could uh, could devolve. Um, before I let you go, uh, I want to give you a minute to uh, to plug uh, your think tank, to plug uh, your social medias if you want to. Or uh, really anything else that you that you've worked on uh, that you'd like to uh, share with my audience? Thanks, John. So please follow us on advocata.org, and uh, on Facebook we are as Advocata Institute. Uh, we have uh, it, it's not relevant to your audience. We have also a vernacular social media page called Advocata Plus. But Advocata Institute, uh, we are on TikTok, we are on Twitter, we are on Instagram, uh, we are on LinkedIn as Advocata Institute. So please follow us. And on the website, you can donate us. If you think that it's a worthy cause to support Sri Lankan people, you can become a subscriber. Uh, it's uh, with the current exchange rate, it's not very expensive. It's about $300. Uh, even you can have options to subscribe for us lesser than that. So I kindly request you to consider us to support the work that we do. We have been the winner of the Templeton Freedom Award this year for all the work that we have been done. Uh, and it's a tough time at home, but we are optimistic. We are a resilient nation, but it, the resiliency works only if the markets work. So help us to mm -hmm. grow and bring this policy conversation forward. We are pretty much the one and only free market think tank in Sri Lanka. There are ideas connected to freedom, but we are the main think tank who is defending or bringing this ideology as, as uh, for, for liberty. So I think it's a worthy cause uh, to, to support us. And of course... If you ever consider visiting Sri Lanka, please do so because we need Forex. It's, uh, it's safe. Uh, of course, there are challenges. But even what I say is even with all corrupt politicians, still we have absolute beauty which cannot be taken away by anyone else. So please visit us. It's a beautiful country and don't judge us by the politicians who govern us. It's mainly a market failure that the politicians, the incapable politicians have come to this power because of the expanding of the government sector. But our people are absolutely beautiful. They are going through a tough time. Uh, by supporting Advocata and by visiting us, uh, by taking this message forward, even if you are not considering to support us, liking, following us on social media, that would be a big encouragement. And uh, But more than anything else, don't ever allow your government to expand because you are definitely 
in the path for crisis and i don't want to see that you are going through what i'm going through right now yeah well we're we're doing our best to uh to prevent that here in the US Danana and appreciate you coming on the show and i just want to reinforce what you said i mean Really being able to 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 support a uh, a think tank in, in another, another country is think of it as you know planting seeds that uh, r- really do doing work that needs to be done and you know to be able to see years from now if you've been able to contribute and help and to see the fruit, uh, the fruit that uh, that comes to fruition from that I think would be something to feel pretty good about so um, think about doing that I'll put links to uh, everything. Uh, that Danana mentioned there on the show notes page. And uh, yeah, just want to thank you for, for coming on the show and wish you the, the best of luck navigating everything, all of the, uh, the issues that, that big government has caused there in Sri Lanka. Thanks, John. I wish I had a better background and better lighting, but of course, given yeah. the challenges at the time differences, sorry about the, the visual quality, uh, but I think the ideas are, are what matters. So please excuse me for... Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for the your, your back, difficulties. your background is better than most of my guests, so do not do not worry about that. <laughs> Thanks, John. Thank you very much for having me. All right, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Take care. All right, thank you for listening. Uh, before I let you get on your way and get your last minute Christmas shopping uh, done this week, I just want to. Uh, to let you know that we got a special for the Lions of Liberty Pride. Of course, the Lions of Liberty Pride is where we post our, our bonus content. We have several bonus shows. Brian has his daily you know, morning rant that he does most uh, weekday mornings. We have Degenerate Gamblers. We have uh, Secrets, Lies, and Cover-Ups. Our new conspiracy show will be recording a new one of those. You get access to most of our interviews live um, you can watch them in our Facebook group, or you can watch them at a uh, unlisted YouTube link. And uh, you can join. Two ways to join, either at Patreon or Locals. We have a discount right now to join for a year. The annual membership uh, at Patreon is 15% off any level from $5 all the way up to $100 a month. Um, you can get 15% off. It's incredible savings. It's double what we normally do. And uh, if you don't want to join through Patreon, that's cool. You can always go to Locals and check that out. Patreon is patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. Locals is lionsofliberty.locals.com. Um, we're thankful, thankful for all you people who, uh, who listen and, uh, and support us and participate in our community in the Lions of Liberty Pride. And with that being said, I know everyone's busy. So get off, get out there, get your last... Christmas shopping done, and uh, if you're traveling, safe travels, and uh, I'll see you next week. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up, and the fire's liberty burning. Liberty burning.